The Film Buds podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Go to thefilmbuds.com slash donate to download our premium shows, buy Film Buds merchandise, or donate directly via PayPal or Patreon. That's thefilmbuds.com slash donate. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the seventh Film Buds bonus show. And my name is Henry. And no Chloe this time around. She's still just pretty busy doing things, but she should be back for the the regular show and for the Music Buds next week. And so stay tuned for that. But joining me once again, welcome back to the show, Mr. Jacob Bowers. Hello. So, or Jacob number one, as he's known. um... This is like a, a secondary podcast with you and me now. It, it, it kind of is in a way. Yes, it's, it's the Henry it's, Jacob bonus show podcast. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty much how it is. Creating our own cinematic universe here. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but this time around, we are going to be talking about heist. Uh, pay extra to hear us. Yeah. Although actually, I was going to re- release this one <laughs> free, so <laughs> again, <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose. But this whole um. The show's going communist. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit communist. But this time around, we are going to be talking about heist movies, more so, I guess, modern heist films. Mm -hmm. And our discussion is going to include Ocean's Eleven, the Steven Soderbergh uh, remake, then Public Enemies with Johnny Depp, the Michael Mann film. Then we have The Place Beyond the Pines, the Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper uh, drama, as well as Triple Nine and Hell or High Water from 2016. And is that it? Pretty sure that's it. Oh, and The Town as well. Oh, The, the Town. The Ben Affleck oh, yeah. directed uh, drama from 2010. And so some of these are more strictly just heist mo- movies, whereas some of them are crime thrillers. Crime thrillers with kind of the heist aspect thrown in. And so we just kind of tried to pick a few more um, lesser known and varied films rather than just doing purely heist movies. So that way to try and keep the conversation a little fresher. They all at least have one bank robbery. Yes, there's a, there's a heist aspect to all of them. So we, we made it that far. Yeah. But yeah, and also if you, uh, I'm sure you heard it, if you have downloaded this, go ahead and go to thefilmbuds.com slash donate to give a, just a few bucks to the Film Buds or go to our Patreon page and become a Film Buds patron. Jacob, yeah. And we'd really appreciate it, especially since we are releasing this one free as well. And so we'd love your support. We uh we love doing it, but sometimes we need a little little help, a little nudge, you know. Yeah. So we'd really appreciate that. But thank you either way for downloading and for listening once again. Jacob, how you doing, man? Doing all right. Yeah. You still waiting to hear on your South Korea move? Yeah, <laughs> I can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> they're supposed to. They're supposed to be getting back to me um, before before the end of July. Mm. Um, Being a little flaky, perhaps. Yeah. Well, it's like I said last last time. It, uh, it it's looking more and more like I'm I'm going. I'm still going to be going, but not right away. Yeah. So, so. but going is the most important thing. So 
Yeah. As long yeah, we'll as we'll see. Yeah. So, well, I guess we can kind of kick things off by maybe starting with our first exposures to heist movies, maybe some of our favorites, whether it's some of the ones we're talking about or or others. Jacob, now this is your one of your favorites, or if not your all-time favorite genre or subgenre, right? It is. It's my favorite. Yeah. Favorite so, genre. what was, was there a certain film that kicked the passion off for you? It wasn't a film, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't remember the name of it, but in like middle school, I read this book where these kids were like, they, they planned out a heist to go, uh, to go steal like their their baseball back from some like old man's house. They okay. like accidentally thrown it over the fence or like something. I don't know. It was some like juvenile fiction book. Like the Sandlot? <clears throat> sort of. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh it sort of just laid out the heist formula for me. Like there was a like each of them had like a role to play that played to like their strengths. Yeah. And I had kind of experienced that from from sort of being into like the A-team and, and other things like that when I was a kid. And then that sort of developed um, and I, I became more and more interested seeing the Oceans movies. And then I watched this show called Leverage. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yeah. Um, that show's great. And uh, I do enjoy like the movies like Place Beyond the Pines and Hell and High Water where it's 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 more of like a crime thriller with heisty aspects. Yes. But uh like I I love my favorite is like the pure like heist movies. Like the entire movie revolves around one big mm-hmm. thing and everyone has a very specific thing to do. Like there's like pure tropey like this guy's the leader mm-hmm. hacker like um, explosives expert, whatever. You right, know, like, like a Logan Lucky kind of kind of deal. Right? Yeah, and uh, and I don't know why that just always captured me. Yeah. So, so yeah, sort of just went from there. Um, I don't know what it is. I just get, I really get into it. No, man, that's that's cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Might rob a bank someday. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, 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 I know. Let's. Well, maybe we should get into this. <laughs> if you were to rob a bank. Or rob a place, how would you do it? How would I do it? I have no idea. No? <laughs> You've had so much time. <laughs> these days, it's hard these days. It is very, very tough these days to rob. But. I watched a, uh, I watched a video that um, on like Wired or BuzzFeed or something put on where they, it was like one of their series where they have someone come on and explain what they do to like kids. And I had this like ex-bank robber who had, like, just gotten out of prison. Mm-hmm. He was in there for, like, 20 years. And they were, like, uh, and they were, like, he was, like, explaining to them how he robbed the bank. And uh, and he was, like, reformed and, like, a nice guy and everything. And <clears throat> he regretted what he'd done and said he you know, sort of lost his wife and his kids in the process, mm. you know. Makes sense. <laughs> All of this, but his plan was solid. <laughs> He said what got him was there was this homeless guy that would always sleep outside the bank and he, he recognized him. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> he said he um he put out a fake job application to get everyone to come to the bank dressed in a maintenance uniform because it was like a maintenance position and he was like, show up in, what, in your like maintenance clothes. Mm. And then he wore that outfit 
So when they get there, there's like hundreds of people all dressed the same. And then he, he went up and maced a guard that was carrying money from an armored truck to the inside of the bank, grabbed mm. it, ran out the back to a nearby river, whitewater rafted down it or like to the down it or something. Nice. And then got into like his friend's van and they they were out of there. Huh. And then the police were investigating and they were like, did you see anything? And he was like, oh yeah, there's this guy out back. And he's like, I, I've seen him casing the place. I've seen him like four or five times. And it's just, he just didn't notice him. It's just some homeless man. Yeah. Wow. And uh, that's how he got caught. Man, bummer. yeah it was really interesting an outdoorsman you know white water rafting (laughs) yeah that's new the kids were all about it i think you could do gas stations pretty i think that's still kind of a gas stations yeah i mean that's still kind of there's not much you can do (laughs) (laughs) wave a water gun around steal the money yeah cool (laughs) just go ahead and edit all that (laughs) (laughs) that's all right uh but no, I would never. I would never rob a place. All right, don't. Don't need to. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Don't need to. I'm thankfully. I've got millions. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, man. Podcasting is good for right. So yeah, well, for me, I think that I don't know what for. I mean, I really like heist movies as well. I think the one that I remember making an impression first is the Dark Knight opening mm. sequence, which I still think is amazing. Right. Right. And it's cl- clearly inspired a lot of films such as The Town, right? We'll be getting into that. We were talking about that before the show. Right. And yeah, I mean, I do love Oceans uh, or that whole trilogy. And I, I'm I'm always up for a, a pure heist movie like what we've talked about with Logan Lucky or um, films like that. So it's it's a really fun genre. And I think they've people have had a pretty good run of putting good ones out recently like it's been a one or two good ones every year for the most part so yeah and yeah well i guess should we just should we dive right in (laughs) all right well let's get into our first review which is oceans 11 from 2001 and we have a clip let's take a listen you guys are pros the best I'm sure you can make it out of the casino. Of course, lest we forget, once you're out the front door, you're still in the middle of the fucking desert. You're right. He's right. Ruben, you're right. Our eyes were bigger than our stomachs. That's exactly what it is, pure ego. Yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. Thank you for lunch. He swallowed the delicious. Sorry we bothered you. Look, we all go way back, and uh, I owe you from the thing with the guy in the place, and I'll never forget it. All right, so like I said, Ocean's Eleven was released in 2001, and it's directed by Steven Soderbergh, stars George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, Bernie Mac, uh, Casey Affleck, Scott Kahn, what, Matt Damon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Matt Damon. And many others, huge cast. And the synopsis is Danny Ocean and his 11 accomplices plan to rob three Las Vegas casinos simultaneously. So this one, when it came out, it grossed $450.7 million against a budget of $85 million. So mm-hmm. definitely a hit and assuredly propelled Soderbergh into more commercial uh, fame and success. Although he had done 
the George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez film before this, Out of Sight. But I think this one was is by far his biggest film to date, or to when that came out. Now you you did do a, a Soderbergh bonus show, right? We did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and we talked about Out of Sight actually, so you can download that one. And we talked about Magic Mike. Uh, did you do any of the Oceans movies? We didn't. No. Oh, just just because I, I I figured at some point, like we're doing right now, that we'd be talking about them in more of a focused or specific fashion. So and we did talk about Oceans Eight. We did on the regular show, and I I was on that. Yeah, which I guess came out maybe around this time last year, something like yeah, that. So you can check that one out as well. Uh, yeah. Well, like I said, this is one of my favorite heist movies, if not my all time favorite heist film. What it's you, pretty good. Yeah. And it's clearly inspired many films since. And it just, I think it still kind of reigns supreme for the cast and the chemistry and just the inspired storytelling and, and wittiness that not a lot of movies have done nearly as well. And I think it still is at the top for me in that respect. Oh, yeah. Now, are you overall a, a fan of the, the trilogy? Or are you... Is there one that you like much more than the others? Or well, it's been a while since I've watched the whole trilogy. Um, probably six or seven years ago, but I remember liking the the first one uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. Like um, I remember thinking all three were brilliant, but the first one really kicked it off for me. You know, it really um, captured me. Yeah, because that was the first heist movie I ever watched. Hmm. I think okay. so. That yeah, sort of started the lifelong love affair. Yeah, man, <laughs> still going right. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's just it's such a like George Clooney and Brad Pitt are really kind of a, and Matt Damon even even though he's not in it as much as them are just kind of at the height of their charisma and chemistry with right, um, right. By, by themselves and then also with each other and just some of the the banter and how they're constantly getting a step up on people but then at the same time or in the next scene it'll all fall apart and they're having to problem solve and and all of that stuff is done really well and 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 although it's exaggerated in a realistic sense it's still really entertaining and fun and uh, it, yeah, it, it coasts along very well, and I, I think with a cast of this size or characters, the amount of characters, it's balances everything pretty well. Like it, it doesn't feel uh, overstuffed, whereas I feel like Ocean's Twelve kind of does in that sense. So, yeah, and I, I love Brad Pitt too. Yeah, course. well, he's your favorite actor, so, you know. Yeah. Now, are you a, a long hair Brad Pitt or a short hair Brad Pitt? <laughs> Short hair, Brad Pitt. Short hair? I'm I'm more of a long haired guy, but oh really? That's just me. Yeah, that's like old <laughs> Brad Pitt. Yeah, like just just run down Brad Pitt. <laughs> World War run, C Brad Pitt. Run down Brad Pitt. Yeah. But although I guess he hasn't been in that many movies where he has long hair, so I guess maybe short hair Brad Pitt. But is he back to the short hair now? I think he is because he's in that Ad Astra where his hair is pretty short, so mm. high and tight, you know. He was in Deadpool too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. 
But it, it's, yeah, like he, and I, I think just the look of his character, I think a lot of times the, the kind of overly stylish look to a character can be grating or annoying, but he pulls it off really well. His name like, is like Rusty. Yeah, and <laughs> like he's got the the earring and the the hand wrist tattoo, which is awesome. And for some re- for some reason, it just is great. It feels genuine, and he plays it off really well. And then of course you have George Clooney playing his play, playing the a character that he usually uh, he plays in a lot of movies, just sort of being a just a real Charmer. slick. Yeah, well, just. Just fox of a man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well said. Yeah, he's he's being himself, but I don't know. I love George Clooney being himself. You know. Yeah, I'd say the. the I haven't seen all his movies, but one one movie I I that I think he he's very different in is was A Brother Where Art Thou. Oh, I love it's that. Yeah, very different. That yeah. Movie. Have but, you seen, you seen The American? It's the American, a, no. yeah, it's a really kind of subdued spy drama. It's quite good, but and he was just in that new Hulu sh- uh, show, the Catch Twenty Two, which is like World War Two satire. Although that's right, yeah. Although I do really like him as an actor for the most part. I am not crazy about his directorial films. They seem oh. to kind of fall a little short for what me. Is he directed? He did Monuments Men, Ides uh, of March, the. That football one with um, Leatherheads, the f- like kind of classic football movie with John Krasinski. And, Does so. this all sound boring? Yeah, that's kind of what they are. <laughs> just the titles. Yeah. So, but anyways, it's, yeah, so they work really well. And this is also one of the few films that I really enjoy Julia Roberts in. I think she's quite good. And, oh, sorry, my dog. Jesus Christ. Dog is freaking out. Jeez. Sorry, everybody. My dog hadn't uh, greeted Jacob yet. That's why she was going a little nuts. So, sorry for that little distraction. But Um, people are probably used to that at this point. (laughs) Isn't there an Oceans movie? Uh, Isn't it like one of them where... They have Julia Roberts go distract some guy. And That's like, 12, I believe. Because they're like, hey, that girl looks a lot like Julia Roberts. But like, she's actually Julia Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I think that's 12. I could be wrong. But yeah, I, I do like her in these movies. And there's not a ton else that I, I love her in. But I do really like her in this. And yeah, the, the introduction of Matt Damon is great as the pickpocket you know pretty young in that movie yeah i think this is pre-born maybe or right around the same time as born so pre-born yeah (laughs) so the the born movies or his 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 launch birth as an actor yeah (laughs) pre-birth yeah yeah kind (laughs) of i mean so this and then i guess these kind of both came out simultaneously in terms of the those that trilogy and this trilogy was around the same time Mm -hmm. and yeah and and somehow I mean, it's all done with kind of a wink, but I mean, all the characters feel genuine in one way or the other, you know, even though it is very stylized and very wacky. 
um, and flashy. It's you feel like they're they could be real people in in one sense, you know. Yeah, it feels very cartoonish, mm-hmm. but like at the same time, yeah, like very like down to earth. Like I don't know. Like yeah, like um, it's what Soderbergh does best. Yeah, I would, like, I would agree. Highly, highly stylized and goofy, while also feeling as if it could be a real scenario. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it it, it feels like. He's taking from someone like Tony Scott with like a True Romance or um, even like Top Gun or or films like that that are very like MTV style. And Soderbergh kind of takes from that and does his own thing, but. Yeah, it's oh, and uh, there is a brief appearance of Topher Grace as well towards the beginning, and they and oh, Brad Pitt actually calls him Topher. There's and so which is funny, and so I, I don't know if his actual character is named Topher, but or is that like a mistake? Something I, I'm not sure, but it, there's I think the clip that you would had just heard actually is in it's in that scene, and which is interesting. I mean, it's just it doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things, but it's kind of a fun little. Um, I guess self-aware mistake, you know, to leave that in. Because sometimes that happens. Uh, I was watching this TV show the other day, and and uh, one of the characters called another character by their their actual name, mm-hmm. but it was so quick that like I guess yeah. the editor just didn't <laughs> catch it or something, or just didn't edit it out. What show? Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, and of course, I mean, this is very much a pure heist film and the heist is great within the casino. And I love the, the scene with the balloons or is that in this one where uh, Casey Affleck and his partner? Oh, that's one thing I'll mention is I love the Casey Affleck and what's his, the guy's name? Uh, they like brothers. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Scott Kahn. Yeah. They're, they're brothers. And I love, that's another thing that in a, this type of film could get really obnoxious, but I find all of their very childish dynamics hilarious. Yeah, they're like the to the tinkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got those like RC cars in like twelve, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a scene where he's uh, driving the uh, mini race car, and then Scott Con comes in with an actual like sized car and crushes it. And oh yeah, it's just that kind of brotherly. Uh, dynamic, which is great, and so yeah, it's just it. It's very consistently entertaining and, and finds ways to reinvent itself, even though there's nothing really that new in it. Uh, it's just it's just self aware enough to make you not care as much about some of the the details and other aspects that you can. Or that could cause you to break it apart, pick it apart, you know. And yeah, so cool film, really cool film. I would say this is probably my favorite of the three, and then mm-hmm. thirteen, and then twelve would be at the bottom. Although I don't hate that movie, as some people seem to really dislike it. Which but one? Twelve. Oh, mm-hmm. it's yeah. a little okay. overly bombastic, and it seems like Soderbergh seems a little too aware of. This is a flashy, like MTV heist film, and it just becomes kind of 
incoherent at times, but I still enjoy it. How does eight fit in there for you? It would be 11, 13, 8, 12. Who directed eight? Uh, that guy, Gary, who did the Hunger Games. Gary oh. Ross, maybe, is his name? Mm-hmm. He just, he's not my favorite. Although I think Ocean's 8 was was fun, but I think that movie is, is saved pretty entirely by the cast. Yeah. Yeah. And I really liked what they, uh, I really, I really love a good, a good redemption arc mm-hmm. for, uh, for a villain character. So yeah. I really liked that Anne Hathaway was like part of the team at yeah. the end. Yeah. Have that you seen The Hustle? The new uh, Anne Hathaway? I have not. It's the remake or spinoff of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but with women. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be bad, but you know, mm-hmm. hey. Haven't seen it myself. <laughs> yeah, how about that uh, Charlie's Angels trailer? I, I mean, I was... I, I like I, I told you on Facebook, I, I really like Kristen Stewart in it. Like she looks great. I like the character. And I mean I like Elizabeth Banks as well, but some of the backdrop of the movie seems a little too familiar. That's I think my it's only worry. Be a wild ride. I don't know. Hey man, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping <laughs> for that wild ride. She's Elizabeth Banks is in it and directing it, right? She might be, yeah. I think she is directing it. Yeah. She's directing it and I think she's She's in it, like she's yeah. the head of that agency. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it, it has a good cast. I'll say that. Uh, I'm just a little worried, just a little, Jacob, just a little. But hey, we'll I'm see. I'm here for Kristen Stewart, right? We'll see. Yeah. So, all right. Well, cool. Any anything else about Ocean's Eleven? I'm sure they'll know what we're talking about when we say that it is very good. Mm-hmm. It is very good. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, out of five. Five for me. Five. Cool, man. Yep. So, all right. Well, let's move on and let's get to uh, Michael Mann's Public Enemies. Michael Mann. What a guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we have a clip as well. Let's take a listen. What is it exactly you do for a living? John Dillon. I love banks. That's where all these people here put their money. Why'd you tell me that? You could have made up a story. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's a serious thing to say to a girl you just met. I know you. Well, I don't know you. I haven't been any place. Well, some of the places I've been ain't so hot. Where I'm going is a whole lot better. You wanna come along? Boy, you are in a hurry. If you were looking at what I'm looking at, you'd be in a hurry, too. Well, it's me they're looking at this time. You're beautiful. They're looking at me because they're not used to having a girl in their restaurant in a $3 dress. Listen, doll. That's because they're all about where people come from. The only thing important is where somebody's going. Where are you going? Anywhere I want. Okay, so Public Enemies is directed by Michael Mann, like we said, and was released in 2009. And it stars Johnny Depp, Christian Bale, Marion Cotillard, Carrie Mulligan, uh, Christian Stolte, 
Jason Clark, Stephen Graham, David Winham. Uh, that's about it, I think. Giovanni Ribisi as well. And the synopsis is the feds try to take down notorious American gangsters, John Dellinger, Babyface Nelson, and Pretty Boy Floyd during a booming crime wave in the 1930s. So this one grossed $214.1 million against a budget of $100 million, which seems very high for this movie. I, I would not have guessed it was that high. What was it? $100 million. Against... So it it its budget was a hundred million. Oh, it grossed two hundred and fourteen. Oh yeah, yeah. That is pretty, pretty high. Yeah. Maybe it was uh, the the Johnny Depp. Oh, I'm power. sure because this was right in his Pirates of the Caribbean, Alice in Wonderland kind of prime. So he was loving life. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, but yeah, this one uh, is yeah all about the I, I guess iconic bank robbers from the great depression and uh, prohibition and yeah johnny depp is john dillinger and i think this might have been the first michael mann movie i i saw i think uh i mean i don't know everything he's directed but i think i also it was also the first one i saw by him Mm -hmm. but i don't think i realized it was directed by him until much later yeah but uh but yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I knew at the time. Michael Mann is, is great. Yeah. I was Michael like, Mann's the digital man. He is, yeah. The digital master. Yeah. Is he doing anything? I haven't. I feel like the last thing he did was Black Hat, and that was a while back. <laughs> the last thing I saw, yeah. Yeah. And everyone hated that movie, but I was like, have you seen Black Hat? I have seen Black Hat. I, like, now, have you seen the director's cut? I have not. They released it on, on TV. And I, I don't love either version but the director's cut is an improvement for me i want to love it like every time i watch it i'm like man i'm, I'm gonna give it five out of five <laughs> but it, it's but maybe at some point we can review it you know that'd be Not fun the uh the story is lacking but uh, it's just so like visually beautiful i'm sure like if you got like, good. A, if you got your hands on like a 4k blu-ray or oh, something, yeah it'd yeah. be, be amazing oh yeah yeah but if someone someone just comes up to me and they say yeah, I don't like Black Hat. And I'm just like, have you seen Black Hat? You're mental. You're have mental. Have you s- seen it? Yeah. You have you it? seen, have you ever seen a movie before? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's no. like, Man and Fincher are, are up there for the digital, the digital men. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the one, one issue with that, sorry to sidetrack, but like the, they try and make you believe that Chris Hemsworth is this, like hacker like all, oh yeah and he's like doing handstands in his prison cell and he's like like uh perfectly chiseled it's like hackers like, uh combining two archetypes <laughs> yeah yeah it's just come on you know let's pick uh he's kind of he's kind of uh i mean in the that ghostbusters reboot he was like an idiot but he was also like He's yeah, and I like. He him was in also that. like an nerd, I guess. Yeah, like really attractive. Yeah, nerd. An, an attractive nerd, idiot nerd. Yeah, he was a really attractive, smart nerd. Yeah, in black hat. Good, good. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he knows his stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Public Enemies is it's, and I think Chloe had. Tries has been trying to convince me that I only love this movie because, because she's not crazy about it 
that I only love it because of Johnny Depp, where although I do think it's one of his best performances, I, I do genuinely love the film. I think that it's just, I mean, I love these gangster dramas like this. And I think that just the handheld Michael Mann as, uh, style to it is great and really adds something new as well. And I think that I love the dynamics between John Dillinger and Marion Cotillard or her, uh, I guess, Billy Frechette is the character. And just those, the the issues with them trying to deal with, okay, can I love this guy because he's a, a criminal, but then I do have feelings for him genuinely. And it's just the back and forth and, and the loss of one another at certain points is really captivating. And I think it it's added by the, or, or supplemented by the performances, a classic scenario. Yeah. One that I've been in many times. Oh yeah. (laughs) Robin Banks, (laughs) you know, uh, Robin Banks falling in love. Yeah. Hey man, they go hand in hand with which one do I give up? Mm. It's a tough call. It's a tough call. And I, I, oh, and also at the beginning of the movie, a appearance from Channing Tatum as pretty boy Floyd. He's the one who gets uh, like his not realize his guts are you know falling out because he gets oh. shot by Christian Bale out in the apple orchard. <laughs> Christian Bale also in here. Yeah, he's the main guy. <laughs> he's the yeah he's the uh, the the investigator who's tracking down Dillinger. But no, he's I think he's good. Although his accent is a, a little too much. Like it's this very mm-hmm. deliberate, and I'm sure that that's probably how the guy actually talked, but at times it's a little distracting. So Christian Bale, but now he's, I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, and also you get a good share of muzzle flash in this movie. Like so many of of the gunfights are like, right. Like the cameras right on the end of the guns. Oh yeah. And it's just kind of this very, intense vibrant muzzle flash and just the the sound design as well with that uh, is really uh visceral and and um captivating and i i think that because i guess in this case with john dillinger they try and make it out to be where he's like the good quote unquote bank robber where he's he's taking the bank's money not your money you know which i mean all in all it's still people's money but Again, I mean, these people were seen so, as odd justification. Yeah, but th- then again, these people were kind of seen as the superheroes of the time, just because they were kind of going against the government and um, taking like a Robin Hood esque kind of scenario. Uh, whereas so many people were suffering, they saw these guys as the the ones who were really taking it to them and um, uh, not letting the, I guess the uh, darkness of the time affect them, but then they just like kept all the money for themselves, and they usually like they were distributing. Well, it yeah, see, well, yeah, see, that's the the, the dilemma <clears throat> exactly. So, but yeah, it's just yeah, any action sequence in this is fantastic, and and all the bank robberies are excellent as well. Because I mean, Johnny Depp is really owns that character, and um, yeah, like we said, it's kind of his one of his prime parts of his career, and he 
really does well. And, and also Stephen Graham, who's Babyface and Elson, and some of the supporting cast are all excellent. And do you um do you know who John Mulaney is? Stand yeah. Up oh yeah. Comedian? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> this movie makes me think of his bit about old time bank robbers when he's like. Old time bank robbers wanted just wanted everyone to know who they were. Like they just shoot their name into the side of a side of a wall, mm-hmm. and they're like, "If anyone asks, tell them it was us." He's like, "Were bullets free back then?" <laughs> like, right, and it's like because they they just want to be like these celebrities, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and so, and they, and they were in many respects. To, you know, now it's like you go rob a bank, you don't you don't want people to know who you are. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, because you know. back then, no no cell phones, right? No Apple. Uh, devices you could just snap a quick pick of them back uh back in the day you know like stage coaches and mausers those were the days man easy (laughs) to get people miss the old times but yeah it's uh i yeah it's just to me i mean i know some people i know one criticism of it is that people find it boring which i think that there are. I don't remember it being boring. Yeah. I remember hey, having hey, a great time. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. And everyone should agree with me. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. But no, I mean, it, I think there are parts of it. I mean, it's even though it is handheld, it's kind of more gradually paced than I guess you would expect from a film like this. And the it really picks its spots for the action, and so I, I can see how some people would feel that way. Although I think that. There's enough weight and power to the movie that I don't really feel that way. And I love the ending where he's killed and that whole setup where they're going to the movie theater and Christian Bale is working with his team to coordinate at which theater to go to and who's going to shoot, you know, who's going to do what. And that final walk where he's uh, Johnny Depp is walking down the street and he turns and looks at the. FBI agent before he's shot is a really memorable moment. And um, because at first, I guess the the way it's directed is they want to make it seem like he's almost, or I guess one of the guys who's about to shoot him is almost taken aback by his stare and like, you know, almost like he's too cool or too above them to be shot. Like he, he, he doesn't expect them to because he's been able to get away with it for so long. But then the kind of more callous, uh, cold agent comes up and shoots him afterwards. But it's that moment where you think he might get away with it and he might just keep walking down the street. But alas, uh, he gets bullet Jacob instead. <laughs> so Class. love that moment. And very good score as well. And a few good uh, soundtrack pieces as well. So it's, I don't I. I just I know I I find it very memorable and and very emotional at times and I I love Marion Cotillard and how that character is evolves and um yeah yeah I love me a good uh I love me a good heist mm-hmm. and uh bank bank robbing is the simplest form of heisting yeah so yeah, well, and I guess in this one, there's also the, I, or I guess the very historical moment of Johnny Depp or of John Dillinger breaking out of prison with just a toy wooden gun. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, which is pretty crazy to think about. And of course, you couldn't do that now. But at the time, he managed to do it somehow, you know, just by using this kind of little pre-made wooden gun or stick even. And so stuff like that where it's so clearly indulging in the the time uh, frame in terms of technology and, and everything. And I'm um, sorry, there's wiggling on the, the table here, but that's okay. I, I love that stuff. And I, I think it gets much more gritty and uh, personal than you might expect from a film like this. So I, I love it, man. I love it. It's very, um, the visual style was very like black and white. You know, yeah, it was very uh, washed out. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah, not very colorful, you know, but it didn't need to be. No, you know, it was Michael Mann's. Michael Mann, if he wants to do dark, he can do dark. If he wants to do bright, he can do bright. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like there's, a, I just remember a specific scene in uh, in Black Hat. It's like the Black Hat show now. Um, no, it's okay. Yeah, uh, no. like Chris Hemsworth's character is like driving away in like a speedboat, mm-hmm. and uh, like the sunset, like the the sun is like just coming up over the horizon, and the sky is like pink and blue, and like yeah, yeah. all of this, and it's just like it just looks really good mm-hmm. on the the digital yeah. film. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's that's what he's doing. The, yeah, the kind of the king of that, uh, and of course, like Miami Vice, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he did that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Which which is your favorite of his? Which one is my favorite? Of Michael Mann's films. Probably Miami Vice. I don't know if that's like a bold choice or not. I think it is. It's a hot take. Yeah. Because I, I know some people that don't like that movie, but what do they know? Right. 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 <laughs> we know best. Yeah. Here on the film buds, you know, we know we know best. Here on the film buds, we we tell people what to like. It's true. That's <laughs> why I do it. But yeah, uh, so overall, I pretty much agree with, with what you've said. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Cool little film. And I, don't, I don't really have a lot to, a lot of like a, like detailed stuff to say about Public Enemies. Mm-hmm. I, I do, however, have quite a bit to say about um, Place Me on the Pine. Oh, yeah. 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 When we get there. Yeah. <laughs> Give it time. Um, well, let's see. There's might not be too much else. It is just, it's kind of a favorite film of mine. I, I guess it's actually one of the first, I remember buying the DVD at Walmart, I think uh, back when it came out. And this was before I had even really gotten into movies. And I remember it really having an impact on me and kind of, reminding me that like you know movies can just be more than silly blockbusters and stuff and so that's there's a bit of nostalgic fondness for it but i still genuinely really really like the movie and i've watched it many many times so there was a time when you were not into movies yeah i only got into movies in in a serious way maybe in my last year of high school so before that man i was (laughs) I, i was loose i was like you know what I could have gone to rob a bank. I don't know. But uh, I'm glad I didn't. I mean, it's pretty much like the same for me, to yeah. be honest. Uh, 
I was more of a, a video game guy in high school and, and middle school, and then I'd go see the big stuff in the theaters. But yeah, yeah. I realized there were more movies. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> other than just uh, other than just that. Yeah, other than uh, Transformers Five, and, <laughs> you know. I'm still a video game guy though. Yeah, TV guy, music guy. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I I've lost, not kind of purposely purpose purpose. What's the word? You say it for me. What pur- purposefully? Thank you. Yeah. I I don't know something about the my attention span has kind of dwindled uh, in for video games. I just like even if it's a video game I love, I just can't seem to actually take the time to finish it. And I don't know why exactly, but I, I've just kind of not grown out of it because I still really respect them and enjoy playing them when I do. But I can't sit down and play it um, nearly as long as I uh, used to. But you know, I have like no attention span for for books anymore, which is something I'm trying to. Well, see, I've gotten into repair because I, I listen to this one podcast a lot, and I've gotten really just kind of being an audio learner and so i've yeah. started to listen to audiobooks a lot which are See, cool ironically i have almost no attention span for listening to podcasts mm. i'll try to listen to podcasts and i'll just tune out i don't know no it's okay what it is but uh but yeah trying to read more books but uh because books used to be like my thing just read books all the time yeah yeah but um then i discovered video games and then they uh, took over video games and movies so easy to just sink so much time into oh yeah you know you're just um just like 12 hours in you don't even know what happened <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh like how did that, how did i get here tv yeah. you know you lay you you get on netflix you got a whole 22 episode season you just you knock it out mm-hmm. there you go but uh with a book it's like you gotta sit there and I'm, you still gotta like you gotta like push yourself more to get into it yeah my brain starts going all kinds of places and uh, there's just nothing to immediately like stimulate like visual like audio like mm-hmm. all these different things but i know that's not healthy so i'm trying to read it's more. all right <laughs> i'm sure it's fine but uh i also i also have these like periods where uh where I'm like, I'm going to do nothing but watch movies. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like playing video games. Like, if I play video games, I get super bored. If I listen to... Well, I kind of always want to listen to music. But if I watch TV, I'll get, like, super bored. And then eventually I'll be like, you know what? I'm tired of movies. Let's go watch some TV. Yeah. I'll do nothing but watch TV. Then I'll do, like, nothing but play video games. I can't do... <laughs> Many things at once. Yeah, I can't. I can't be always playing video games all the time. And also, like watch a bunch of movies right i don't know what it is my brain just won't won't operate all of them at once no it's okay it'd be one at a time hey you pick your moments right pick your spots that's cool and like i've got this thing about movies where i'll watch like five seasons of a tv show and then i'll go try and watch a movie and then it'll be over in like two hours and i'm like i just got to spend over a hundred hours with these characters and I only get to spend two hours with these characters. Mm-hmm. That's disappointing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've been watching, I talked about it on the, sh- the Midsummer review show yesterday, but I, I've been watching a lot of animated short films on YouTube and it's... I, I noticed you've been sharing a lot of those. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's some really good ones. I, I would mm-hmm. check them out. But it's 
since those films are usually only about four or five minutes at times when I go back to like a full length movie, I'm like, get, the, let's get this over with. <laughs> you know, I could have watched 10 or 20, uh, short films within this time, but is that what the, I noticed you have a Bl- Blom camp over there. Is that a collection mm, of his mm, short films? No, all his, uh, else? his three features, uh, oh, district okay. nine Elysium. And have you seen Chappie. short films? I've seen a few of them. He's got like his own studio. Now yeah, and yeah, and some, some of them are really cool. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I've noticed you've been sharing a lot of those animated short films. Yeah, I mean, you can because you uh, you don't know what it's like to to follow Henry on Facebook. Oh, yeah. He posts like a Russian bot. Yeah, yeah. If you if you don't know, Everything. just try and friend me, friend request me on Facebook or something, and uh, you'll see my my sharing. Now, um, Facebook. You know, you know, Facebook and Google with all their targeting. Since I I've liked so many of your posts, they they've sort of just zoned like zoned in on you as like someone that I follow that I I like really want to see more of. So I'd say probably like ninety five percent of my feed <laughs> on a daily basis is just Henry yeah. posts. Uh-huh. But I'm I just you know it's because I you skim through it. You keep know. liking so many of them, they just yeah. keep showing up. Well, I mean, hey, it's uh, I do it for the people, right? For the masses. I'm like, and man, Henry is real interested in a broad variety of subjects. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what people say on, on our reviews is they like my open-mindedness, you know. Mm-hmm. But, oh, and it, it's actually turned out where I've been sharing so much that at times they need to uh, make sure I'm not a robot, actually. And yeah, they, Facebook will, like, ban you if you... Yeah, yeah. I've been getting much. close, been getting close. But <laughs> then also... One thing that it may be new, I don't know, but I've been quote unquote recognized as a top fan by a, a few sites that oh, I yeah, share. That's, that's a thing that's been, that's um that's been happening to it's like a new feature, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so I've had I've become a top fan for maybe five different sites that I like Time magazine. I got I became a top fan because I share so much so much of their stuff. Yeah, I'll go comment like once on like a Game Informer post and they're like, oh, you're a top fan. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take it away from me, (laughs) Jacob. You know, it's for the elite. Oh, yeah. But. And then um, then, like a week later, it'll just be gone again. Yeah. Like what happened? Yeah. (laughs) Become a top fan. You know, you don't even know the the prestige that it brings. Is anyone a top fan of uh, the Film Buds podcast? Oh, yeah. We've got some top fans. Yeah, yeah. Do we have a a Facebook page? We do. Yeah, yeah, and a Twitter page and Instagram. So, I'm not, I'm not that into to social media. I pretty much I'm only on Facebook, but uh, occasionally I'll go on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, I almost kind of do Twitter out of obligation for the podcast, but I, I don't really spend much time on it. Although we have had some recent activity, like I was telling you, uh, and so make sure to go to our Twitter page at FilmBuds if you haven't yet and start commenting yeah. your thoughts on our shows and and all that jazz because we we always love seeing the weird thoughts that people have on, on our, uh, our viewpoints and everything. So yeah, Facebook's just the big, it's the big one, the big time, the big so. daddy. <laughs> yeah, I can spend like two hours on Facebook and I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> You're telling just me, man, it's liking Henry's post. Yeah. Preaching to the choir. <laughs> that's, that's I'm like, all right, I'm how doing. many, how many, uh, likes did I build up today? You know, so. well, because I, I sit there and I'm like, man, I've spent a lot of time on Facebook. But I'm like, wait, but if I've spent a lot of time on Facebook, that means that Henry's spent a lot of time on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Because all I see is stuff that you post, which means you have to be there all the time. Yeah. 
posting stuff. Well, I mean, I've gotten really quick. I can I, I can share like ten in just a few minutes. Like <laughs> share, share, share. There you go. So it's a it's a skill. <laughs> so all right. Well, uh, anything else about public enemies? Nope. All right. Well, yeah. Love that muscle flash. So that's my last last thing. So out of five, it's a it's a five for me. Another five banger. Mm. Yeah, let's do five. <laughs> All right. All right, well, cool. I guess we can move on and get to our third review, uh, which is Ben Affleck's The Town from 2010. And guess what, Jacob? Guess What's what? that? We got a clip. Let's take a we listen. <laughs> you can't stay. I don't want to stay. I want to go with you. Why can't I change? I could be a different person. You tell me what you want me to do. I'll be whoever you want me to be. I'm leaving with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't she here then? She's going away with you. Why isn't she here? Okay, so... The Town came out in 2010 and, like I said, is directed by Ben Affleck and stars Ben Affleck as well. Rebecca Hall, John Hamm, Jeremy Renner, Blake Lively, um, Chris Cooper. That might be about it, I think. I had forgotten that John Hamm was in this. He is, yes. And the synopsis... Yeah. As he plans his next job, a longtime thief tries to balance his feelings for a bank manager connected to one of his earlier heists, as well as the FBI agent looking to bring him and his crew down. <laughs> down. So, yeah, this one is one of uh, Ben Affleck's few di- directorial efforts. And for the most part, I guess, besides Live by Night, his films have been pretty well received. He did Argo. And then he did this. Gone Baby Gone as well, before this. I thought this was his... Uh, I heard people calling this his sophomore effort. I yeah. guess maybe they just didn't know. Well, no, I mean, he, yeah, he did Gone Baby Gone first and then... I thought Argo was first. Nope. Okay. No, Argo was 2012. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then Live By Night. Yeah, which I would say is his weakest movie. But... Yeah, so this one is, I, I guess, kind of takes off or is inspired by the the real life suburb in, uh, I guess, that is nicknamed the town in Boston. That is essentially a breeding ground for bank robbers, and so many bank robbers in that area have come from or have grown up from in that little region in the city, which is kind of a, a crazy thing to think about. And so it, it's dealing with that very tight-knit community of people who many of them are crooked, uh, so to speak. And uh, this one begins with a really great heist where they're wearing, I guess, ghoul masks or uh, something like that, kind of Halloween mask. Yeah. Uh, and I lo- I mean, the heists in this movie are incredible. I love them. I, uh, I have a friend who lived in the city wherever they were filming this. And uh, he said that it just sounded like a, a war zone every night. Mm. Was it was it not Boston? 
Uh, I mean, it might have been. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it takes place in Boston, but I, 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 I don't didn't know. know if they were like filming it elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, like a lot of times things are filmed in, in Vancouver. Yeah. But uh, that's where I And if filming began 2009, August in Boston. So, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I can imagine it's an, some more muzzle flash, you know, another. <laughs> Yeah, you just you said you just heard like gunfire and explosions all night long. Yeah. So, yeah, so this one is dealing with like the synopsis alluded to is where they take Rebecca Hall uh, hostage and she's the, the bank manager of this opening heist. And they end up uh she ends up seeing or or noticing things uh, about them um small little things and then they end up letting her go. But then she's living in that area, and so there's the the power struggle or 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 nervousness of be, of Ben Affleck being discovered by uh, these people uh, by Rebecca Hall, and then he, in order to keep that uh, relationship quiet, I guess he ends up befriending her. But then there's a relationship that forms, and similar to public enemies there's the idea of a uh, kind of criminal love and the, the passion and and um doubt and, and everything that goes along with that but it's a kind of a like almost like a reverse like stockholm syndrome or something where it's the the criminal who's dealing with the attraction uh more so than the the victim and uh but yeah again it's another great ensemble cast i think jeremy renner it's probably one of his best performances it's just like a early movie for him i think it was around the same time as hurt locker might have been the same year actually so i think it was just as he was getting going uh for mainstream stuff like pre pre marvel mm-hmm. territory but yeah i think i think he's amazing in it and i do really like ben affleck as well and i think his little crew of including jeremy renner his crew of bandits work really well and feel very genuine i guess because i mean ben affleck is from boston himself boston man yeah man and i some people criticize blake lively in this i actually really like her she's a little over the top but you're shaking your head are you are you are you not i'm shaking my head at the people who don't like okay no i mean i i do not love her in most things i really like her in uh, a simple favor. Oh, she's she's great in everything. <laughs> okay, and I, I like her a lot in this. The shallows. She's good in the shallows. I would say so. Brilliant. Sisterhood of the traveling pants. <laughs> maybe not so much, you know. But I think she's similar to Ryan Reynolds, and I guess it makes sense that they're uh, a couple. Let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think that she is seems like a great person, and I think that she definitely has talent but maybe it's more so she's one of those people who just has either maybe a bad agent for picking bad projects or maybe it's her picking them uh herself but like she's just not in that many great movies whereas i think maybe if she had better projects consistently i think that there would be a little more um I guess appreciation, but I I do really like her in this. I like the look of her character. She's kind of a, for lack of a better word, kind of trashy, 
you know, yeah, yeah, okay. gal. <laughs> you know, uh, like a, like what you're saying about about uh, the, the picking of movies. Reminds me of like Nicolas Cage. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, Nicolas Cage kind of. Uh, I feel like maybe he maybe he picks his own his own movies, and he's he's like, well, you know, if I accept everything. Something's gotta be yeah, and be good. And, the, right? and the, I mean, also recently, if, I don't know when it was exactly, but he had the financial troubles of being like ripped off by his agent, and so he had to just take projects in order to keep going. So I'm, I'm sure that had to do some had some to do with it. But when he was in Mandy, and that was great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, he has good movies recently, but I think that. A lot of the lesser projects, he's just been picking more so out of obligation, you know. But hey, you gotta you gotta make that paper, right? Especially if you're Nicholas Cage. Yeah, man. Uh, and yeah, I I do I, I like Rebecca Hall as well. She's almost similar to Blake Lively, and also someone like Olivia Wilde, where again they just their project picking is a little inconsistent in, in terms of quality, which I'm not saying it's really their fault uh, in terms of the quality of the movie, but sometimes they, they don't pick the best projects for them. Um, but yeah, and I, I just love the the Boston setting and, and also like you had mentioned maybe before the show, the, the heist with the nuns or the, huh. the, the nun costume, I should, I should say. Yeah. Which is really good, and then the the final some good imagery. Yeah, the final act uh, at Fenway Park, and how all of those those shootouts and those, um, I guess the the plan falling completely apart is is great. The and, heist with the nuns is scarier than the nun. Amen. By, uh, you know, in the Conjuring universe. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> yeah, we might be. I don't know. I'm still gonna try and get the Conjuring universe show going at some point, but. Yeah, see the the, the Annabelle trilogy on your... Uh... No, it's the Dragon Tattoo trilogy. Although oh. I do have the first two Annabelles My over there. My very bad. I do see Insidious over there, though. Yeah. But yeah, I would say it's it's a little long. It's about two and a half hours, so maybe at times Oof. it o- overstays its welcome. But I s- still think, unlike a lot of others, it has a lot of good content and a lot of good twists and some very, very good set pieces. And it's quite well directed i think and i i think it, it shows how much more i prefer ben affleck as a director than as an actor so he's another one who who does not pick the best projects but when he's given good material he can be very good yeah he's like um it's kind of a hit or a miss when you have you know because you have a lot of actors directing movies these days yeah because you know uh, the only qualification you need to be a director is is being no. an actor yeah just know where to put the camera right just already be in hollywood then they'll let you direct something pretty much uh, so you know you have people that do it well like ben affleck and uh olivia wilde's new movies yep. really good book smart yep um, I think Natalie Portman's movie was pretty good. Yep, she directed one as well. Now that I say it, I can't think. Brie of Larson as well. One that was bad. <laughs> I mean, she did a Unicorn Store, which was yeah. quite good earlier in the year. I'm trying to think of an actor that directed a bad movie, but now I can't. Sean Penn. Uh, oh, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Mr. He, Sean Penn. Yeah, he did this one. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't 
completely verified, but it has like a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. It's called The Last Face. And it has Charlize oh. Theron and... George Clooney, we were just talking about that earlier. Right? The, the movies he's directed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. he's someone... I think he and Sean Penn have kind of fallen flat a little bit in terms of their directing. But there, I mean, there are some good actor turn directors you know and i think ben affleck in a way started or reignited that trend you know with mm-hmm. uh films like this and argo and i guess it opened the doors uh, up a little more for for other actors to try and do it and i mean a lot of them are, are doing that now which is really cool to see so yeah it's uh and i, I also like the dynamic of ben affleck with blake lively towards the end where they have this romance kind of on and off again uh troubled romance but then he of course is with rebecca hall who again that romance is also um um troubled uh, in terms of the yeah in terms of the dynamics and i like how i mean i think it's in the clip we just heard where blake lively is saying that um uh you know if she's not because they're hoping to run away together Rebecca Hall and, and Ben Affleck and he's um she's wondering why okay what then why isn't she here getting ready and, and and everything and so there's this interesting love triangle between those three characters and it's one that I don't know if I've really seen that done before in in a film like this and I think it's it's interesting to see you know yeah for sure um oh one thing you're saying about John Hamm Although I do like him a lot, it's since he it's rare he changes the look of himself for films. I always see Don Draper. Yeah, and yeah. so that and it's similar in this where I I see him and I I can't get that out of my mind. And so baby, that Baby Driver, he looks pretty different. That, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's something. I, it's rare I don't see that character when I see him on screen. So it's a little distracting in this movie, but. Because Don Draper is just Mr. Ham himself. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. So, but I, I, across the board, the performances are are quite good. And um, it's I, found a, that, um, I found out that apparently, uh, if you go back and watch some of his earlier stuff, his his voice is a little like less gravelly. Who John Ham? Yeah, a little, a little more like higher pitched and, and normal. I guess you could say found out recently i was watching an interview with him that um god i don't remember what year he said but uh he had to have some surgery on his vocal cords because hmm. there was a polyp Ooh. and uh it just just like Ugh. dropped his voice made it all gravelly like it didn't sound terrible but it just sort of uh that's why he's he's a little gruffer sounding now yeah yeah oh and there's a yeah excuse me there's the dynamic of Jeremy Renner and Ben Affleck, I think there's this scene on the at this fence line where Jeremy Renner is trying to get Ben Affleck to stay in the criminal group or or stay robbing with him, but then Ben Affleck is hoping to leave with Rebecca Hall, and so there's this buildup of tension of Jeremy Renner having saved Ben Affleck's life in various cases in the past and kind of feeling like he's owed more time with kind of Ben Affleck's partnership and trust 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that tug and pull of Ben Affleck wanting to leave and get out of the criminal life, but his very close friend trying to pull him back in various ways. And so there's some really interesting kind of small character arcs and dynamics that are sprinkled throughout the movie that I think work really, really well. So it's a good one, Jacob. Yeah. It's a good one. I think we're about to do the pines, right? We are. Yeah. So, so it all comes spilling out there. A lot to say about (laughs) that on the, on the heistiness scale. It's good. It's pretty up there. It's good. Yeah. So, uh, I think I give it a four out of five. I'm a four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. Half star kind of man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, cool. I guess we can move on and get to The Place Beyond the Pines, released in 2013. We have a clip. You know the drill. All right. That means you don't want to tell me. This is like a common courtesy or there might even be a law, you know, you gotta fucking tell somebody. Haven't heard from you in over a year. You just took off. Never called me. I gotta leave in four hours. I don't know what to do. You do whatever you need to do. What are you going to do? I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm going to school. I take care of Jason. I work here. I have a man. So that's what I'm doing. That's my life. You're busy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm real busy. All right. Yeah, well, Jacob and I were just talking. The Our chairs that we are not, or that we're sitting on aren't, we're just sitting on these kind of hard metal chairs. And it's like we were saying, if people donate, we can maybe get better chairs. So that's one incentive for you to, to donate. Which means that uh, a better podcast for you. Exactly. To literally comfort us by, <laughs> by donating and get us better chairs. But anyways, so... Place Beyond the Pines was released in 2013, although I guess it premiered at festivals in 2012. It's directed by Derek C. in France and stars Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper, Eva Mendes, Mahershala Ali, Ben Mendelsohn, um, and God, what's what's the guy's name? The the mousy kind of guy. Dane DeHaan. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Rose Byrne as well. And the synopsis is, <laughs> sorry, it was loading. A motorcycle stunt rider turns to robbing banks as a way to provide for his lover and their newborn child, a decision that puts him on a collision course with an ambitious rookie cop navigating a department ruled by a corrupt detective. <laughs> so this one, yeah, it's directed by the guy who also did Blue Valentine before this, and he most recently did Delight Between Oceans with Michael Fassbender and Alicia Vikander. 
I see. And although this was the first one that I had seen of his films, uh, and now Jacob, this was a first time watch for you, right? Yeah, I didn't know anything about this movie. I'd never heard of it. I uh, went in completely blind. Didn't read anything about it. Didn't even know that Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper were in it. <gasps> what a didn't, thrill! Didn't know Bradley Cooper was in it till he showed up. Mm-hmm. Didn't know Dane DeHaan was in it till he showed up. Yeah, it was a completely blind experience. Yeah. Well, what'd you think? So, oh, it was. Of, it was great. Yeah. Pretty darn good. It was Pretty just. I wasn't expecting the um, the segmentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You it's... Know? you know, like an hour into the movie, our main character dies. And I was like, you know, we're just on this new guy now. Yeah. And then sort of have like a time skip. And then we got new new main characters. Yeah. I mean, the, like, the film is, if you haven't seen it, it is separated really into three almost like short films where it's it follows yeah. Ryan Gosling for about the first hour, then Bradley Cooper for about the next maybe 45 or, or hour. And then uh, their two sons in the last third act or so of the movie. And mm-hmm. so it's this guy, I mean, he loves to um, delve into like the, uh, I guess, impact of, of generations and, 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 and time and how just one choice can affect many gen- generations later. And, uh, and it's, it's not, um, I, something I noticed was the movie is not exactly segmented in like a typical, Three act structure. No, it feels kind of more like a like a stage play, like you know, like yeah, act one, act two, like act one being Ryan Gosling, act two being Bradley Cooper, and act three being their kids. But the kids' story is obviously the shortest. Mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper doesn't take up all that much time, and Ryan Gosling is like a big chunk of the movie. But yeah, the segues are just perfect. Like, yeah, it just flows so so well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I think this is probably my favorite Ryan Gosling performance. I, I, I love, and it might, might also be uh, appearing on our highs and lows uh, that we do at the end of the, the bonus shows now. But the look of his character, I love. Just the kind of trashy tattoos and, and like stained jeans. He's always got his shirt inside out. Yeah, like the bleach stained jeans and yeah, that stuff. And I just love that look of the character and he's so good in it. And... Uh, and he works really well with Eva Mendes, who, of course, now he's married to. So, feels very similar uh, tonally, I guess, to Drive. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, with a motorcycle, mm-hmm. and not quite the same. And the the plot feels very familiar. Of like, um, you know, guy finds out he has a baby. He's not really all that fit to be a father, but he wants to prove. That he is, um, so he turns to unjust means to to provide for his family, and then yeah. starts giving them all these gifts. But then it's like really uncomfortable. And then, but uh, even though that did feel very familiar, I, I thought that it was done in such a good way that I didn't care that I've I've seen that a lot. Yeah, in other in other places. Mm-hmm. And I guess in the opening scene, which is amazing. This uh, and I think they the director said there's only like maybe a dozen people in the U.S. who are able to do this. Where it's this Ryan Gosling is this expert motorcycle driver at a amusement amusement park or or circus something like that. Circus. 
And they drive in this uh, spherical, uh, like, metal ball. And they, like, it's three motorcycles going at once and uh, kind of twisting and turning all around each other and, but never, never touching or anything. And it's yeah, I've, going uh, at high speeds. And I've seen that in real life before. Oh, really? Have you? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, was at a carnival in, in New York with uh, my sister and my, my grandfather. And I saw, oh, I nice. Saw that. Cool. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a very, very small number of people. It requires, an incredible amount of just dexterity and focus yeah. and s- just skill. You know, it's it's impressive. And it looked to me in the movie that it was real. So yeah, I, I know. I, I I I know there's the scene where it's like it, it shows Ryan Gosling getting in, but then there is like a cut or something where yeah. obviously it's not him. But um, it, I think I think they did actually film find film it so. stuntmen that could that could do that. Yeah, and um, I, I know yeah. that the the guy who did most of Ryan Gosling's stunt driving was the guy who did the drove the Batmobile in the Dark Knight trilogy, and who did right. a lot of Batman's uh, stunt driving. So yeah, that must have been the easiest. Uh, casting call over there like, yeah. we, we need a guy that can do this with a motorcycle and like the only guy in la that can do that is like oh here i am yeah <laughs> but yeah. But yeah i i love i mean i think the first act or the first section that is with ryan gosling is my favorite it's just such a there's so many he has a great ability to create me- really memorable powerful moments and his movies are generally very very serious and dark <clears throat> Oh, bless you. Excuse me. <laughs> Very serious, and um, it's just, I feel like I'm just immediately invested, and I love the, it feels very like Citizen Kane-esque, but the opening shot where it's Ryan Gosling walking through the park and uh, putting on his shirt and everything, and just these very small little directorial touches are are great, and I think, out of all the movies that, w- that we're talking about, I think the the heists and the chase sequences are my favorite of all the all these. Um, ben uh, Ben Mendelsohn is is great. Yeah, this. he is. Yeah, he's he's really good. Um, I like when Ryan Gosling is robbing the banks, and his voice keeps cracking. I, I was about to say that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he has like almost like a like a really high, effeminate like. Come on! Yeah, you know, it's like His it's voice is cracking over and over again. Yeah, I was like, I I don't know if that's just like was happening or if like Ryan Gosling was um doing that on purpose to. to well, there's some I can't express like nerves or something. I can't remember what, but there's some other movie where he's having to shout, and that's kind of his voice. And so I think it's just when he gets nervous or when when people get nervous, their voice will just heighten like that. But I think especially since it's not something he's great at in terms of the character it makes sense why he's kind of shriveling up uh in some ways but yeah i think the the motorcycle chase through the graveyard is incredible oh yeah that's the driving and 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 all that and then of course the final sequence with him where it's in the house and you meet bradley cooper and that whole uh or that that moment where the how the shooting occurs kind of affects Bradley Cooper's his whole whole life really after that. Bradley Cooper had been in a few movies. Yeah, he, he was in than, Silver Linings Playbook. I think the year before was the Hangover out 
before this? Yeah, that was a few years before. Yeah, because he looked really young in this movie. Like they made him look they young. Yeah, they younged him up. Yeah, for the uh, for the first part. Yeah, and then uh, fit, like fifteen years later, when he was supposed to be older, they just gave him a beard. Mm-hmm. And made him that made him look older. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's yeah, and I love the score as well. A really cool kind of brooding score, and there's also a use of an Ennio Mor- Morricone uh, piece from, I can't remember which movie, but um, they reuse that in this. And there's some, he also, this guy also really loves uh, uh, symphony, or not not symphony, though it's like the the church choir kind of music. What would, right, you, right. What would you call that? Uh, like operatic. Yeah, stuff, like he, he uses that a lot in, I think in The Light Between Oceans as well. And so I, I, I really wish, I mean, I love all of his movies, but I just wish he would maybe make more. But again, maybe it's better he takes his time. Coral, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, yeah, I I liked, I like that, you know, Ryan Gosling kind of suffers, um, I guess Luke Glinton kind of suffers like the ultimate consequence. And then you have um, Avery, he suffers... He suffers no consequences other than the ones that are inside of him because he he completely mishandles the shooting and then lies about it, but no one ever finds out. Mm-hmm. And because um, he he makes that one choice and then he makes one lie and then he is lying for the rest of his life, really. So yeah, and then the corruption happens and he he wiggles his way out of that and puts all those guys away, mm-hmm. which. So Ray Ray Liotta shows up. That's right. Yeah, in yeah. His typical his typical slimy self. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't expecting that. Yeah, uh, and um, yeah, and then it's pretty much just him dealing with you. Know, you know what? Like, first of all, the the revelation that um that this kid that that AJ meets up with at school, which I had my suspicions, but uh, the revelation that that's. Jason, I was like, oh wow, yeah. you know, Ryan Gosling's son, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I thought it was a really great moment at the end when um he steals his wallet and he opens it and there's the that picture, yeah, 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 with uh, them at the ice cream place. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, he's really he can't let it go. I think that's the moment that Jason realized that he was maybe regretful, yeah, you know, and, and that's sort of why he. Left him alone. Yeah, but he's he's been on this path for so long he can't really get out of it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's I mean, again, it's just got so many how one choice affects another and the movie is really expertly done. And uh I love there's so many memorable locations and 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 lines of dialogue and I I really like Bradley Cooper in it as well. Eva Mendez is quite good, maybe a little over the top, but I think she still works pretty well. And it's yeah i've i've revisited it many times and i it just never gets old it's just something about it is very compelling and marshala ali um is pretty limited in this movie but he's good he's good and i i think the first thing i saw him in was um wasn't he in moonlight yes yeah, yeah. he's the opening in, the guy in moonlight this is the first thing i saw him in which he's he's amazing in that mm-hmm. even in the time that he is so. And of course, he's in True Detective and Luke Cage as well. Mm-hmm. Upcoming? He, no, 
He's not in, no, he's not in Fast and Furious, is he? That's don't believe so. That's Sterling. That's uh, Idris Elba. Oh, man. Okay, Although St- Sterling K. Brown was in The Predator, the Predator yeah. last year. But um, <clears throat> and D- Dane DeHaan in this movie, he's a real hit or miss. Yeah, but this role was perfect for him, and it was really one of his first, uh, his breakout. Really, he. He like fit this role so well. Yeah, just this kind of loner kid, loner stoner, a loner. Yeah, I'll say, yeah a loner stoner. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, because then you have, um, I liked him in Valerian, but I don't necessarily know if he was like the best fit. I uh, didn't necessarily like him that much in Care for Wellness. Um, he's just a real. Yeah, he is hit and mess. Weird guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, but he was great in this. Um I'm not a huge fan of, of AJ, but right. I think maybe that was the point. Yeah. Uh oh, and it's Emery Cohen who was in Brooklyn um mm. uh, I guess a few years <clears throat> ago, who's I think he's much better in that because in this, I mean, he's a pretty unlikable character. But again, like you said, it's kind of the point. Um, and they had that kind of dramatic irony where um, Avery's kid turns out to be this just criminal shithead kind of kid. And then um, and then Luke's kid is, is a pretty decent kid that doesn't really get in a lot of trouble. You know, and it's like you'd think that his kid would grow up to be a little bit more like misbehaving, especially because he doesn't know who his father is and all this. Uh-huh. And then you'd think that the other kid who grows up in like a politician's family and mm-hmm. be a little bit more well behaved, but yeah, it's like a swap. Yeah, and um, you know, you do find out that that Avery and his wife are are divorced. Um, which I didn't, I didn't realize Rose Byrne was in this movie. It took me a little while to recognize her because I've never actually seen her in a movie, but I have seen her in interviews. Hmm. And of course, she's Australian, and her American accent's like really good. So. Have you not seen a Bridesmaids or Neighbors or? Oh wow, not yet. Wow, <laughs> yeah, not yet. I've been meaning to watch Bridesmaids for a while. Oh, it's good. I'm never gonna do it. Yeah, is Neighbors any good? Hmm? Is Neighbors like actually it's not bad? Good movie. Yeah, and yeah. the sequel wasn't that bad either, actually. But you know, I'm every now and then I'm I'm in the mood for some juvenile a comedy. goofy yeah goofy comedy. <laughs> but yeah, she's I love her. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one scene I like a lot with Bradley Cooper after where he's still, he hasn't gone crooked, I guess, is where he's dealing with having shot this guy and he's in therapy and he's, the therapist is bringing up the idea of him not being able to look at his son, his young son, because the idea is brought up of him being so heartbroken that he's killed this father who also has a one-year-old son you know and maybe that's why um aj grew up the way that he did sure yeah you know, yeah exactly maybe, maybe that sort of removed his dad from his life a little mm-hmm. like, sort of was less attentive or yeah yeah or something yeah i agree it's and so yeah that and bradley cooper in that scene is great and i love um uh the scene where i guess the photo the photo in the movie is taken where uh, Ryan Gosling is trying to give the baby ice cream for the first time, and he ch- turns on the 
motorcycle, but it scares the baby, obviously. And so it's yeah. it shows how he can be so, um, I guess, childlike, but then at the same time, he can go rob a bank and be violent. But again, that's almost, in the way that he does it, is very childlike and immature. He's not thinking things through and... Yeah. Obviously in the the, the final the, the first time he gets back to the, the truck, he's like throwing up and like Yeah. And then of course in the the third time where Ben Mendelssohn crosses him, he doesn't have his sunglasses on. He is riding a different bike because Ben Mendelssohn uh, uh broke his up. And so he does everything in a very childlike way, but some things like giving his child ice cream is very endearing, whereas obviously being a bank robber isn't. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, I can just say it's one of the, the more, the most memorable, powerful movies I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, it was, um, it held my attention the whole time. You know, it, it's, I think it's like a two, two and a half hour. Close to it, yeah. Hour movie. And uh, the segments are just pretty well broken up, you mm-hmm. know, like it's an hour, it's like an hour like almost an hour like 30 30 to 40 minutes you know it's all it's all broken up real well and um it shifts focus so well and uh yeah i really like bradley cooper's acting in this you know the whole corruption thing um he's kind of just along for the ride and he he just can't really believe what's happening yeah and um it's never really explicitly stated but when he walks into the house uh, and he says, "I'm sorry for your loss." It's very clear that that she recognizes him as from from the as the man that killed him. Yeah, um, and you don't really realize what they're doing until they get the money. Like you think, like, oh, you know, even Mendez is going to jail, but then they're like, "Oh, we're keeping it." And I'm like, "Oh, so they're they're corrupt." Yeah, that yeah, that is a really tense, unsettling sequence where they pick up the baby and and all that stuff. Um, yeah, that's really um. impactful yeah because he's holding the baby of the man he shot killed and that probably messed him up even more than yeah he's already messed up yeah but um but yeah and in the in the in the the very powerful ending when um when jason just got him on the ground with the gun pointed at him and he's just crying and saying, yeah he says i'm sorry you know because he's had to live with this lie his whole life mm-hmm. you know he's had to live with the the sort of quick trigger move that he made mm-hmm. and um doesn't go after him he doesn't press charges he you know he he accepts what he's done in the end i guess yeah you know? and then there's that um yeah there's that moment where they're gonna put jason away for like five years for possession and um since he's like district attorney or something or assistant district attorney he he like he makes it just a misdemeanor and they're like, oh, someone's looking out for you. And Yeah, because he, he re- realizes who his father is. Yeah, and he's trying to, he's trying, I guess, trying to make himself feel better. Yeah, and, and, by, he, um, he, and he tries to make AJ stay away from him and, yeah, and all that. And keep himself out of trouble. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I just really like that ending where um, once again, you have another character that's not really suffering any consequences. Jason's not really suffering any consequences, but like, it's like, are we supposed to feel like 
he deserves not to suffer any consequences. Like, you know, is this like recompense? Like, mm-hmm. is he, you know, it ends with him just leaving, you know, just, I like that moment where the guy's like, you ever written one of these things? And he just, <laughs> he just goes off. for it. And he, and he's kind of just naturally good at it. So, yeah. And you think like, is there some sort of like, um, magical realism going on here? Like he's just inherited the ability to drive a motorcycle well, you know. from his, from his dad. Yeah. But yeah, that's a powerful ending for sure. It's yeah, yeah. it's I, uh, yeah, it's it's if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix, right? Yes. Yeah, you should check it out because it's really worth seeing. Uh, no matter who you are, just to give it a watch and, uh, yeah, really love it. So, I'm glad you glad you liked it. Oh yeah, yeah, it was great. It was um. Ryan Gosling is a a man of many hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. All right. Well, out of five, five stars. Five for me. Yeah. Five stars. All right. Well, just a couple left here. We can move on to our review of Triple Nine, and we have a clip. Oh yeah. You take a listen. <laughs> Only fired a warning shot. 12 gauge tactical round. Running. Yeah, we're dealing with the crash and bash. Four man team. We're pulling surveillance now. Dive pack destroyed most of what they took from cash. But their focus was on a security deposit box. Yeah. It belonged to a wealthy Russian named Dmitry Pekov. Family claims they have no idea why you would keep a box at us. Walter Sims, the bank manager, right behind. Walter. Detective Allen, first time being robbed? No pun, right? They got pictures of my family, my daughters, where we live, my daughter's school. Walter, you're a bank manager. You should be smart enough to know that the monster has gone digital. Be careful what you Instagoogle tweet paste. All right, so Triple Nine, released in 2016, and it's directed by John Hillcote, and it stars a huge cast. Casey Affleck, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Anthony Mackie, Woody Harrelson, Aaron Paul, Kate Winslet, Gal Gadot in an early appearance, Norman Reedus, Teresa Palmer, Michael Kenneth Williams, Clifton Collins Jr., and I think even maybe a few more. And the synopsis is, a gang of criminals and corrupt cops plan the murder of a police officer in order to pull off their biggest heist yet across town. So this one uh, is was kind of a, a smaller film, and it grossed twenty five point nine million against a budget of twenty million. Oh, actually, I never said what uh, Place Beyond the Pines grossed. It made forty seven million against a budget of fifteen million. So not too bad. Not too bad. But um, I guess unlike a lot of the others, this one was met with pretty divisive uh, reviews. I mean, I'll say it was. It's similar to. King Arthur Legend of the Sword for me where I hated it the first time I saw it and I've kind of sat with it and rewatched it since and now I, I do like it a fair bit but I really did dislike it the first time I saw it. Oh something sorry something. No no that's okay. Something I wanted to say about Place Beyond the Pines Jason or Dane DeHaan in the cast list is credited as baby Jason <laughs> and I, I was so confused by that when I first saw it because I was like that doesn't make any sense. I was, I was, well, but this was like, um, 
I was checking the cast list for some reason, and this was before Dane DeHaan showed up in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I was like, there's no way he plays that baby. <laughs> like, he'd be like seven years old today. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was real confusing. And He's then, a real chameleon. And then he shows up, and I was like, why is he credited as baby? Like, that is weird. Some other character or some other actors playing baby Jason. Yeah. They're not getting their dues. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. Yeah. So this one, yeah, so triple nine, this one, yeah, is dealing with, I guess, police code for, which is triple nine is a police being, or a police officer being killed. Yeah, policeman down. Yeah. And it's all about a group of corrupt cops trying to kill a, an officer in a certain location. So that way every cop in the area will rush to that location so that way they can then pull off a heist somewhere else nearby, not being at all affected by um, the law in terms of uh, having, I guess, uh, law enforcement coming around them because everyone will be distracted, so to speak. But the thing that, and it'll make an appearance in a little bit, but the opening heist, like many of these that we've talked about, is fantastic. And the, the red smoke, the red dye packs that open when they're driving away from the the bank looks amazing like where the the van is filling up with the red uh the red dye and and then they let the windows down and it's kind of flowing back behind them and it's just co- yeah. like they could not be more noticeable now you know and so it's that heist is great and we're they're getting on top of the the cars and shooting these assault rifles across a highway and and all of that stuff is amazing and uh, and also score by Atticus Ross who's worked with uh, Trent Reznor a lot on Gone Girl and Dragon Tattoo and Social Network and it's a it's a great score really good score uh, but and one thing I think I will say is that this movie there's I think there are too many faces in this recognizable faces I think that people like Aaron Paul really stick out as just being unnecessary in terms of the amount of time that they're on screen, it just feels very distracting having people like him there. And his performance is not that great either, I would say. It's too, too star-studded. A little bit, yeah. I mean, for like the scale of this movie, it's pretty small. And the yeah. kind of the budget and everything, it feels... It's no Ocean's Eleven. No, no, exactly. And although I do really like Kate Winslet as this kind of over-the-top um, Eastern European villain... Mm-hmm. Uh, like I like, the, um, I like Norman Reedus in this. Yeah, yeah, from The Walking Dead, he's he's quite good as well. I wish he was in it more. Yeah, so he, he like dies, doesn't he? Yeah, like halfway through. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but I do like the. I mean, it's not go, gone into that much, but the Casey Affleck is kind of dealing with. I mean, I mean, I, I guess PTSD to a certain extent, but he's almost just dealing with the boredom of his life, and so I guess that's why he's kind of become a little more corrupt and. Like he's watching uh, videos of Iraqi war footage on YouTube and stuff like that, just trying to distract himself, you know. Although he is a great in this movie, a great gum chewer. His how he chews gum is amazing. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that it was um a whole class mm. at uh at his university. Yeah. <laughs> but I one thing I think it does get like along with the casting, it's just too overstuffed with 
characters and subplots that uh, many don't get really wrapped up and not really in a satisfying way. They're just kind of left um, uh, unfinished. And I think that at times it does overreach its grasp, but I still find it to be a very beautifully shot and, but and gritty and very tense heist crime thriller. And I, I like the idea of these crooked cops working with just kind of straight out um, bank robbers and, very um, aesthetically pleasing movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, John Hillcoat get, did The Road and he did Lawless and The Proposition, the Australian Western. Is this the director? Lawless? Yeah, the one with Tom Hardy and Dane DeHaan, actually. Yeah. Tom Hardy and uh, Jessica Chastain about the. Right over there? Yeah. <laughs> right on the, the show. The very same, yes. <laughs> about the Prohibition era uh, alcohol. Uh, dealers but it's uh one, well one sequence that i love is the the scene where they have the riot shields and they're going into the this house with a riot shield and bullets are flying off and um just like that kind of police strategy is done very effectively i like there's a there's like a scene in a uh like a club or something isn't there mm-hmm. i like that one just yeah. in terms of it like visually mm-hmm and I mean, now are you, I don't know what the best way to put it, but I mean, is this, do you prefer like darker, grittier thrillers like this in terms of heist films? Or do you like the brighter, more wacky ones like Ocean's Eleven and stuff like that? Oh, I like the, the, the like the crazy, silly ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, this, this kind of film still yeah, definitely has place for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of a overlooked movie and I, I, I can see how a lot of people wouldn't like it. I mean, I was there at, at one point cause I, I mean, I remember John Hillcoat saying he wanted it to be this kind of sprawling, um, ensemble piece, which in, in many ways that it is, but maybe at times too much. So, but I still think it's a, it's a memorable, not unique, but at least it, it feels a little bit more inspired and thought through uh, and deliberate in terms of its structure and storytelling than many others like it recently. And I appreciate its violence and its grittiness. So, Yeah, I was approached by one of my friends who I used to watch a ton of movies with. And he uh, he was like, hey, I, I just got this, uh, this movie Triple Nine on Blu-ray and I had heard of it. But he was like, I heard everyone hates it. Do you want to watch it? And I was like, Let's give it a go. Let's do it. And uh, so I don't have any strong opinions going in because when everyone says they hate a movie, I automatically think, well... I'm going to love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I automatically think, well, time for me to have zero expectations. Because if you have have zero expectations, you have the potential to go really high or really low. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think that... um, To just go off on a little bit of a tangent here... That's (laughs) fine. I think that... um, like review is is just so untrustworthy these days like i just it's so difficult for me to get an idea of whether or not a movie is going to be good i use some air quotes there mm-hmm. um <laughs> just uh <laughs> like based on based on like what someone has said because like even um you know on letterboxd i'll go on letterboxd and i i generally follow people that i agree with 
I'll go on Letterboxd. I'll go look at a movie that's coming out. You know, five stars, best movie I've ever seen. Half a star, this movie is terrible. Mm-hmm. Just w- literally right next to each other. And I'm like, what is that? Even, like, that's what am t- I supposed to do with that? That's Jacob Swafford in a nutshell. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. You know, so I give, I give up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I'll just, I'll grab a movie and I just won't even look. Mm-hmm. I'll just pop it in and I'm like, I, I love that. And I'll go and I'll look on, on Letterboxd or whatever and everyone's like, this trash. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, Fuck well. you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so with Triple Nine, I uh, I watched it and I was like, I don't really see any problems here. You know, like it's not the best movie I've ever seen, but I was like, it works for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, like you said, you, you hated it on the first watch. Uh, I think a lot of people could benefit from seeing a movie more than once. I agree. You know, um, maybe not everyone has the time, but because... Whether or not you're gonna like a movie depends on a lot of things. You know, you, it can it can probably depend on um the mood you're in at the time. It could depend on what you're choosing to pay attention to the first time around. It can depend on like how attentive you are. Maybe you're missing some things because your your brain is wandering at, at certain times. You know, so you watch it again, you'll notice stuff you didn't notice before. Maybe you're in a better mood this time. You know, maybe certain things that didn't really catch you before are going to be catching you now. You know, since you already know what's going to happen in a scene, you can start focusing on, like, things in the background and, like, things that other characters are doing. And it all just sort of comes together in a way that um, I think can make a second watch very useful. I agree. So everyone watch every movie twice. Yeah. Make the time. (laughs) Yeah. That should be the motto of our podcast. (laughs) You know, because then, of course, uh, you know, there's a, li- there's a little bit of a, a difference. I, I hear a lot of people say, like, oh, I rewatched this movie I loved as a kid, and it was terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, it did not hold up. Yeah. You know, movies like The Goonies, you know, they hold up. But uh, I've heard people say some of Disney's, like, earlier animated features or something were just pretty terrible. But mm. all of that to say... I like Triple Nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've heard, I hear from more and more people the same look at, or take on critics these days. It's like, they're useless. Get rid of them. It's so Fire over. them all. Yeah, it, it's so oversaturated <laughs> these days. Uh, saturated with uh, opinions. Like for us, for example, I mean, we're, we're talking about it right now, <laughs> yeah. but. Well, it's because well, there, uh, there used to just be prof- like just, professional critics you know mm-hmm. i mean there still are but like i used to just that that would be all now there's freaking like, youtubers and doing all that crap you <laughs> it'd know? be all like all professional critics like roger ebert and like other people would be like you know that's who you go to to find out if you want to see a movie and now it's like all like user created like you go on like letterboxd and anyone can just say whatever the hell they want about anything they mm-hmm. can write one sentence as their review you know their review can just be like a one sentence joke mm-hmm and you look at it and you understand. Yeah. You know, and, and or someone on Letterboxd writes, you know, 17 paragraphs, breaking it all down. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't have time to read this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, like you said, you got like all these YouTube channels now that's like, F- it's like, fucking it's hate gonna, YouTubers, man. I honestly do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot take. Yeah. 
just, uh, they they throw up a movie and I just saw this. You know, here's everything I think. Listen about to me. It. Like, get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> if there are any YouTubers listening, <laughs> and here we are talking. For Henry like two wants hours. you to unsubscribe. Yeah, yeah. Here we are talking for two hours about unsubscribe movies. Subscribe from the podcast. Yeah. So uh, you know, but um, I think it's important to talk about movies for fun. You know, like that's what we're doing here. Uh, it's important to talk about movies critically. Mm-hmm. That is important. But um, just talking about movies in a pure critical way has never really particularly interested me. And I guess some people might think that makes me simple-minded or something. Yeah. But uh, you know, I did go to school for five years to learn how to talk about a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it has paid off well. <laughs> so... Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Having fun. In our in our living room or in my living room uh talking about movies. Our living room. Yeah. Yeah, this this is your living room. I don't have a uh I don't have a place to live right now. <laughs> if you're talking about movies. If you're movies. making if you're making room. Yeah, please donate to help Jacob nice uh couch back here. find a house, you know. <laughs> so. But yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion. Uh I mean, I I'm I don't mind reading reviews. But I just I can't stand the overanalyzing. Like all the painting, painting on the wall is a metaphor for, you know, what whatever sexual awareness or something. Like it's stuff like that. Sort I'm not of really pretentious stuff. Yeah, like I mean, I'll make my own opinions. Like I, I don't really care to read much stuff about that. But um, I Henry mean, and I had a, a professor in college. I was who, I was thinking of him exactly. Will remain unnamed. Who, yeah, uh, would really delve deep. Into Coen Brothers movies, <laughs> big time, big time. All of these characters represent an animal mm-hmm. based on their name. Yeah, you know, when you start like overanalyzing it, and then like it's it's done in such a way that you start to be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but you're like, whoa, no, yeah, this, is, it, this is bullshit. It starts to to lose any kind of magic <laughs> you once had for the movie, you know. So, yeah, fuck yeah. it, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, oh, and one thing I'll mention before we wrap up is I like the. In the opening title sequence, there's the scene of Kate Winslet w- looking over at this trunk where there are these two guys stuffed in with all of their teeth taken out, and she throws the Ziploc bags of teeth oh, yeah. on, and onto them, and this shuts the, the the trunk door. Very violent image, but uh, it's it works for the movie. Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> love, love that teeth pulling. So, all right, well, uh, out of five stars, stars. You know what? I'd give this one like a four. Me too. Yeah, we're uh, not not much controversy on this show. Not like that one we had. We've only been off by half a star. Yeah, not like that one with uh, Sky and Jessica uh, a month or two ago, where you know we were disagreeing about everything. So we need to get get Sky on here. Yeah, I know. I've been trying to get him on, but he's a Marvel thing or something before he heads off to grad school. Yeah, although isn't he just in Winston Salem? Yeah, but he'll probably be busy. He he can make the drive. Hey, I, hey, I'm going to be in school in the fall. I'm still going to be doing the podcast. He can do it. <laughs> yeah. I hope he's not listening. He <laughs> didn't hear that. So, all right. Well, cool. I guess we can move on to our final review. The last one, everybody. So so settle in. Come hell or high water. Yes. Uh, we can get, get into our talk on hell or high water. And we have a clip, the very last clip of the day. So take a listen. So, what's the plan? We're gonna watch that bank like a deer feeder. In time, we'll be right. 
Now, let's see what they got to eat here. Howdy, ma'am. How you doing today? Hot, and I don't mean the good kind. So what don't you want? Pardon? What don't you want? Oh, well, uh, I think I just, uh... You know, I've been working here for 44 years. Ain't nobody ever ordered nothing but T-bone steak and a baked potato. Except this one asshole from New York tried to order trout back in 1987. We don't sell no goddamn trout. T-bone steaks. So either you don't want the corn on the cob or you don't want the green beans. So what don't you want? All right, so the uh, Heller High Water was also released in 2016 and is directed by David McKenzie and written by Taylor Sheridan, who wrote Sicario and wrote and directed Wind River as well. And it stars Chris Pine, Jeff Bridges, Ben Foster, Dale Dickey, uh, William Sterchi, Buck Taylor, Taylor Sheridan, very briefly, actually. Uh, And the synopsis is a divorced father and his ex-con older brother resort to a desperate scheme in order to save their family's ranch in West Texas. So this one, it was Taylor Sheridan's follow-up to Sicario, which was a huge hit, at least uh, critically. Mm -hmm. And then this one grossed, oh yeah, I should say, uh, it grossed... 37.9 37.9 million against a budget of 12 million. So, you know, a bit, bit of a small hit. Pretty good. And, but was a huge, like, like, so, like every audience loved it. Like, I remember it getting like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes when it came out. And I should say, out of every movie we've talked about today, what did, what did we talk about after Ocean's Eleven? Public Enemies. Yeah. So out of every movie we talked about today, this is the only one I saw in theaters. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, actually, yeah. I guess starting with Place Beyond the Pines, every one of those since I've seen. But then everything before, I, I didn't. Yeah, because all the other ones were just sort of um, before I was a real theater head. Cinephile. Yeah. <laughs> I... uh you know, there's this whole movement now of uh, the like the the whole like um, we're gonna release a movie in theaters and home streaming on like the same day. Yeah, and I'm like, and everyone's like, yeah, I can just sit in the comfort of my own home and watch a movie. And I'm like, no, 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 go go see it. Although the theater experience is becoming more and more excruciating by the by the minute at, at many times, but yeah, I, you know, only because of people. the other people. I know. Hopefully, if <laughs> everybody if they do do this, and they and theater it, theaters manage to stay buoyant with that model, when we go to the theater, there might be almost no one there. That's fine with me. <laughs> so yeah, this one uh, was the score is by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, who have done a lot of they they did Wind River as well, and they do a lot of neo-westerns like uh they did the proposition the john hillcote movie we mentioned they did um the assassination of jesse james with brad pitt great movie yeah and so they they should just do like every neo-western that comes out which they they kind of do in many respects 
Have you seen uh, the new Child's Play? I have not yet. I, I I would like to at some point. Bear McCreary does the score for oh, that, yeah. which I thought was really interesting. Interesting. He's the Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, score and um, some some other big project I think. But after Good. I saw that in the credits, I was like, I I I can I can notice that now. Yeah. But um, wouldn't expect to see him there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a they should just do every western because they just have that sound down i think and i i love every score they do and i yeah it's just a like uh kind of opposite of sicario it's a lot there's a lot of comedy to it uh and although there are still some serious moments for sure i i do like the opening sequence of them kind of being trying to or being very out of their element in terms of bank robbing and like trying to be like polite, but then the <sighs> the uh, bank manager getting on their case and like kind of trying to one up them and uh, it's they're clearly not experts on it. They're just guys who put on masks one day and go rob a bank and so it feels I, I don't know if relatable is the right word, but you can see how it's these could be real people, you know. Uh, like anybody could could go do that if they wanted. Yeah the the politeness thing it kind of it reminds me of a <clears throat> it's an episode of Shameless the TV show mm-hmm. where uh, these two characters like go into a bank and uh, this one guy is under the impression they're about to rob the bank and uh, he like the the other guy like writes down on a note something and he like goes up to the teller and like like yeah. hands it to her. And uh, so the other guy thinks he's written down, like, put the money in the bag, like, don't make a scene or whatever. And then uh, he's, like, starting to pull out his gun. And he's like, whoa, what are you doing? And he's like, well, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm withdrawing money from my account. <laughs> and, <dad's> like, <laughs> and he just, like, wrote down, like, the amount of money he wanted out of his checking account. Mm. And I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's like that that miscommunication, you know, for sure. Like, uh, would you please put the money in the bag? Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make a scene today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because there are some of the scenes later where Chris Pine is like, "Please, ma'am, do please do this for me." You know, you know, it's stuff like that. It, that is fun, and uh, I I think this is a a movie that kind of reminds you that Chris Pine can be more than just a like a um Captain Kirk kind of pr- pretty boy. A pretty awful mustache in this movie. I, I dig his mustache in it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm not attracted to it. It's just it, it he works. He had that West Texas accent. Yes, he did for sure. But I, I really like him in this. And Ben Foster, similar to some of the other people we've talked about, is kind of hit and miss. Like there are movies like this where he clearly feels invested, but then other ones where it just feels like a paycheck to him in terms of his performance. But I, I like him in this. And Jeff Bridges, I mean, he's funny, but at times he's just being Jeff Bridges and his character from True Grit, which at this point is getting getting a little old. Like he's Jeff he Bridges, does he's a cowboy, man. Yeah, I know. It's just he, he's been doing that persona in so many movies since. But I, I still in a vacuum, I, I, I like him in the movie and I like his partner as well. And mm-hmm. I just like the the West Texas uh setting and some of the little characters that pop up are feel genuine uh, and it's yeah it's very well written very well directed 
And I like the sequence towards the end where uh, all these different like cowboy like people get in their trucks and start chasing after Chris Pine and uh, and um, just that kind of like almost stereotypical American kind of action um, or like the guy who pulls out the gun during one of the robberies and starts to shoot at Chris Pine. He's like, obviously I have a gun, you know, this is America, you know, right. stuff like that is good. And yeah, it's, it's a very fun, entertaining movie, you know, right. very, very simple. Were you going to say something? No. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. What's your, your take on it? My take? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, it's, uh, it's. I like the um, the Western aspect. Yeah, like you know, a no country the, for uh, old men kind of deal. That's what it reminds me of a lot. Yeah. Um. Because um. Josh Brolin, kind of his character in No Country, kind of feels similar to the characters in this. You know, it's kind of like same energy, I guess. Yeah. But um. You know, like none of the other movies we've covered today are really like a, a Western style thing, and it's not—that's not a setting that you would think of for heists. You know, unless you know the, it's the days of the outlaw, but mm -hmm. this is obviously not. This is like modern day, yeah. robbing modern banks. So, um, and I do like. There's only so many ways you can do a bank robbery. And I, I appreciate the attempts to keep it fresh. Yeah. And, uh, and this one it has a unique take on, on robbing a bank. Yeah. You Did know? you see, uh, we reviewed it on the regular show, uh, Destroyer, earlier Destroyer. this year with Nicole Kidman. Mm -mm. There's a really good bank robbery in that. I mean, it's it's conventional in the, I, I guess, main sense, but it's done really well. And so I, I love a good bank robbery in a movie, you know. Um, just like that, I just love urban warfare in movies, like just cinematically, I think it really lends itself to interesting moments. Uh, mm -hmm. and I think that while this one is maybe a little bit more forgettable than other ones we've talked about, it's still for the most part, a very easy watch, very fun and, uh, um, has a little bit of heart to it as well. Like there's the, the subplot with the the mother who's passed away and they're kind of struggling to get over that and then also support themselves uh, with the loss of her and I like heist movies that are that are more about um or just heists I guess that are more about going after like a specific object mm -hmm. as opposed to just getting as much money as possible right and heists that are in like unique locations like um instead of just we're going to go to a bank or a casino, you know, like a, like a museum heist or something, or like a, uh, like a, a heist of like a temple or, or like a skyscraper or a hotel or something. You know, yeah. 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 Unique places. Mm -hmm. What's, uh, what's some other ones that stand out to you as ones that do that really well or some of your favorites? Uh, this is a, like, <clears throat> A ton in like the Mission Impossible series. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, <clears throat> that's really what was mostly on my mind. Um, and you love Baby Driver, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, which we reviewed on, I think that was maybe our third 
or second show. Uh, and that's interesting because that focuses on that focuses less on the heists themselves and more on zeroing in on one role. Mm-hmm. Like it's zeroing in on the role of the getaway driver. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which is interesting. You know, not really something that's been done. Um, because you you always see the heists from far away in that movie. He's never really directly a part of them. Right. You know, so. But anyways. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's similar to Drive in that respect, mm-hmm. where it just follows the the driver. So um, where you're, you're just kind of watching something happen from far away I think or in the periphery. A, I think there's a couple in James Bond, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. James Bond has a few as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's. I mean, it's again, All it's just crazy gadgets. And stuff. Yeah, it's just a genre that really just naturally lends itself to creativity and some really interesting situations. And and clearly, people have been able to keep it going and make it feel fresh and uh, with many recent films. So oh, and um, some of Guy Ritchie's films, of course. Yeah, yeah. Snatched now, have you seen Aladdin? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Jacob. I know. <laughs> well, it just crossed like 900 million at the box office. So really? you might, you might, I don't know how long else, longer it's going to stay. You got to get on it's that. It's still in theaters. Yeah. From what I saw. Maybe I'll catch a matinee. Yeah, man. I went to see uh, Avengers Endgame again. Uh, was this the director's cut? This, or was, the, this the, was before they had put it back in theaters. I just, I was like, I want to see it again. Mm. And I went at like 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, paid like $5 for a ticket. Nice. No one was there. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's just um, Hell or High Water. It's, it's a, like, like we've said, it's, it's a fun, fun film. And it's in Yield, Texas. Yeah. Although it's probably of the films Taylor Sheridan has written. Although I guess, the Sicario sequel would be below this. I would say it's Sicario, Wind River, Hell or High Water, and then uh, I've not actually seen Saldado yet. It's not too bad. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I I haven't seen it since the theater, and I would like to rewatch it, but it's you know it's fine. Sicario is amazing. amazing. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah I yeah. love that absolutely brutal moment at the end. Um, which one? Which this is. Spoilers. So hey, it's all right. Skip ahead if you want. Uh, the absolutely brutal moment at the end where Benicio del Toro is with that that guy at that dinner table. Oh, he kills his, the whole family. Yeah, with his <laughs> wife, his wife and his kids, and he's yeah. like, "Please don't do this in front of my family." And he's just like, "Pop, pop, pop." Time to meet God. And he just he just kills them all, and he's like, "All right, we're not. It's not in front of your family anymore." And I was mm-hmm. just like, "That was just the coldest thing I've ever seen." Yeah, and it's just and Roger Deakins shot it. Crazy. It looks amazing. Yeah, like he still doesn't have an Oscar, does he? No, he, he got it for Blade Runner. Ah, uh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, although yeah, that God, that movie is so good. Blade Runner, uh, that and Sicario, Sicario, both are yeah, yeah. So, but Sicario, I mean, Day, Day of the Soldado is it's worth checking out at some point. So, in the beginning of Sicario, when they find all those bodies in the walls. Oh yeah, and the blunt. the. Uh, the sequence through the city and onto the the highway is a, is probably my favorite part. I need to watch Sicario again because I didn't really understand a lot of what was going on the first time. It's kind of thick. 
Which, I mean, I think in some ways is kind of the point because Emily Blunt is confused as to what's happening. So, yeah. but it's, you, you need a couple viewings of it, you know, for yeah. sure. Josh Brolin's in that too, right? Or yes. Or yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, anything else about hell or high water? <laughs> good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, it's a four for me. Yep. Four. All, all right. right. Cool. Well, uh, I guess we can just end off with our highs and lows, our top five highs and lows, which if you didn't catch the the John Wick trilogy bonus show that Jacob and I also did recently, that's we've kind of started a like kind of doing our top five and bottom five moments of the the films that we talk about. And so I guess we can start with five and work our way down to the, the best and the worst. So do you want me to go, Jacob, or do you want to kick things off with the, the top five? I'll kick it off. All right. So, in, in no particular like ranking order or anything, uh, I would say that. Uh, well, I don't know. It's no, no. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Little, I'm kidding. It's a little bit too difficult to. Yeah, yeah. No, you're fine. You're fine. To go from the best to the the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in no particular ranking order, I'd say uh, the the heist with the the nun masks from the town. Um, just pretty much all of place beyond the pond. <laughs> Just the place, yeah. Just the film. Just the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know, I'm gonna cheat a little bit okay. and use by all means and use a use a specific thing from Place Beyond the Pines. That's okay. Well. Yeah. Um, that the motorcycle um, spinning sphere it. thing. Yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Um. Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. And... Great hand tattoo. And just sort of the um, the visual aesthetic of Triple Nine. My, uh, my favorite color is red. And there's a lot of red sort of blended into that, uh, that movie and just the way it's shot. And mm-hmm. just... So visually, it's, it's appealing. Yeah, the more I think about it, it does look amazing. I love, yeah, yeah uh, it's great. So, so yeah, there you go. All right. Well, for me, kind of going down from, uh, I, I guess, counting down to the best. So five would be the opening heist and red smoke visual in triple nine, like I talked about. Just looks great. Very, um, hadn't really seen that type of heist before in terms of what, what you see and, and that, that red smoke and everything. The bank robberies and motorcycle sequences in Place Beyond the Pines, just so well-directed, so tense, and uh, all really practical stunt work. Then the cast chemistry in Ocean's Eleven, just kind of an, you can't really beat it. You know, it's just everyone works so well together, very funny, very charismatic with each other. Then uh, two, Johnny Depp's performance in Public Enemies, just one of my favorites of his. He's uh, amazing in it. And then one is Ryan Gosling's performance and overall character and look in Place Beyond the Pines. Just one of the most memorable characters I think I've ever come across. Right. So, all right, well, what about the lows for you? Top five lows. This one, once again, is a little bit more difficult. It, it, yeah, it was for me as well. Um, you want me, to, want me to go while you're... Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> all right. I, uh, I did... I didn't do my homework again. Oh, Jacob, <laughs> this guy it's brings me back to our college didn't, days. Didn't you know? see your message until I was on the way here. Ah, 
Uh, all right. Well, yeah, we'll give Jacob a break this time, you know. So, all right. Well, five is, again, none of these are really bad things. It's just almost like out of obligation having to pick something. But Eva Mendez's performance in Place Beyond the Pines, she's good, I think. But compared to everyone else, she's a little overdramatic. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of sticks out at times, but I still like her. Then Jeff Bridges being two Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water, just a little too much of the same thing that we've seen a lot from him recently. But in a vacuum, it's entertaining. Right. Then the distracting casting in the town with John Hamm, and then in Triple Nine with Aaron Paul, just faces that I can't, not really that's on them, I just can't really separate them from their very iconic roles um, in films like this. Mm-hmm. And then two, the overabundance of characters and subplots in Triple Nine, just a little too much going on, a little too messy. And then the, uh, oh, I guess we never really talked about it with Triple Nine, but the ending shot and sequence in this movie is very confusing because it ends with Woody Harrelson, who's a detective being shot and sitting in the back of his car. And then the movie just ends and he's, Throughout the whole film, he's not really the one that you're following for the most part. And so it's this very weird ending to a film that, like, you're, it's kind of building up to a point, And then we're like, okay, so why are we watching him sitting in a car, like, kind of thinking about what he's just done, where he's not really the one we're caring about or focusing on. And so it's a very weird, very abrupt ending that kind of sours me on in that final few minutes. But you know, still like the film. So, all right. That's go. it. Um, all right. So, uh, AJ as a character. Oh yeah. Uh, that's, not that's really, a good one. not really like a fan of his, his, you know, too over the top. Yeah. Like his whole, like, like hood rat performance. Right. Like, you know, it's like, where did he even get this from? He grew up, he grew up in like a white politician's house, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I'm never really a fan of, of white people that act like that. But mm-hmm. Yeah, so didn't really care for that. Uh, I wish Norman Reedus was in Triple Nine a little bit more than he was. Yeah, because I'm just a fan of his. Um, he kind of got knocked out a little early. Um, oh, what was it? I was gonna say. Uh, Chris Pine's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sure. That's a, that's a good one. Not a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, another actor I wish was used a little bit more is, is uh, Marshala Ali in Place Beyond the Pines, but mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe he wasn't super famous at that point. Nah, he wasn't. Um, so, you know, maybe that's just, maybe I, I, I wish that just because he's, He's a little more famous now. Right. But um, I think he could have contributed a little bit, a mm-hmm. little bit more yeah. to the overall story. Um, and number one, there's something I was going to say about um, public enemies. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I can edit. I can edit the the silence out. It's all right. 
Take yeah. your time. I guess just uh, I guess just um, out of all of the movies, uh, I like Public Enemies for its performances and its cinematography, um, and like its setting and everything. But I'm not the biggest fan of of how the story plays out. Sure. So yeah, it's the way it goes, you know. <laughs> Sucks. The movie's terrible. Yeah. Garbage. <laughs> Michael Mann, you, you blew it. It's all right. Next time I'll write it down. I promise. We'll, we'll do uh we'll black we'll do black hat, right? And uh <laughs> next time so, I'll I'll have it ready. It's hey, it's it's okay. I'll do the homework. The listeners I think are very forgiving. All right, you know, so it's 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 I mean, no worries. So, so they might riot. Maybe they might not want me on the show anymore. <laughs> we'll have another film buds riot on our hands. You'll have to do it by yourself. Yeah. Hey, let's do it. Let's do a. I'll do a bonus show all by myself. I'm just talking to to myself here. So, all right. Well, I guess that about does it for the heist movie special. Um, and again, please go to thefilmbuds.com/slash/donate to to donate to the show through PayPal or through Patreon or to donate or to download some of our filmbuds merchandise or some of the premium podcasts or other bonus shows that we've done. Some which, which Jacob has been on, uh, which are at the the filmbuds.bandcamp.com. And all of that stuff is in the show notes as well. And please send us e- emails at the filmbudspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on, on Twitter and Facebook and everything like that. Uh, and I mean, and also just on the filmbuds.com, we have all of the posts about upcoming episodes and all of that stuff. And I worked a lot, of, a lot of time on the website, so it'd be nice if you could go check it out yeah. sometimes, you know. You so. should tell them, uh, have you told them to, uh, maybe they could suggest bonus shows, uh, ideas? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's a good point. Yeah, well, I yeah. guess kind of reiterate, if you have an idea for a bonus show of directors, actors, uh, genres that you'd you'd love to see reviewed, please let us know uh, in any way, uh, uh, because we'd, we'd love to hear from you no matter what. And so, yeah, well, Jacob, as always, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time and making the drive and, and all that stuff. You know, it's, it's always good to see you. If I was any closer, I'd, uh, I'd want to be here more. Often. I know, man, I know, but wow. it, that drive is, is killer. You know, it's, it's about an hour. Yeah. 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 But you should just come back to the grid. I know, man. Well, I mean, I'm going to be, I'm going to be there four or five times a week for uh, the music business program. So, I mean, I, in a way, I'll be coming back. I'll, I'll be making that drive pretty much every day now. So, which will be really great, really great. You know, um, Jenna, her yeah. uh, her boyfriend uh, had a job in Raleigh for Oof. for a while, and he was driving between here and Raleigh. For <laughs> That's like, rough for like months. That's rough. <laughs> like waking up at five in the morning to go there and then like coming home and not getting home till like nine or something. Oh man, that's rough. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause she, uh, this girl, Jenna, she designed the film buds logo. Oh yeah. And she also is designing the music buds logo. So cool. she's, she's living, uh, vicariously through, uh, through us or through the logo. We should get her on here. I know. I, I, I told like, her at uh, some point, Ghibli show. That'd be really fun. I was telling her, I would love to have her on and, 
try and get uh, maybe Jacob Swafford on as well to have a little UNCG uh, reunion. You know, that'd be really, yeah. really fun. But, you know, again, we'll we'll keep you all updated and, and please follow us and um, rate the show on iTunes, all that jazz, because it's helps us out little Shame by Mr. little. Uh, Mr. Cone Brothers on here. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's all right. No disrespect, but uh, I'll, not, not this time. So, all right. Well, uh, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And we'll see yeah. you next time. Yeah.